Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Uh, This is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show. And as the great Jackie Gleason, the great one, would once say, stand by because away we go. This is Roger Stone, and we're back on the Roger Stone Show at 77 WABC. 77 WABC, making AM radio great again. Joining me now is Mike Crispy. Uh, He is the star of Mike Crispy Unafraid on the LFA TV network on Rumble and various other platforms. He does an extremely, extremely lively uh, daily show weekdays. Uh, And uh, Mike Crispy, I am honored to have you and welcome you here on The Roger Stone Show. Honor to be on, listening to WABC for a very long time since I was a little kid, and it's better than ever now that Roger Stone is on on the weekend. So really excited about the show, sir. Well, that's very kind. Uh, I love being here, and you shouldn't miss any of our great lineup, uh, whether uh, whether it's Dominic Carter, whether it's Sid Rosenberg, uh, whether it's uh, the great Cats and Cosby Show daily. Uh, uh, we really do have the best lineup in AM radio anywhere in the United States. Uh, and I appreciate your joining us. we got a lot of ground to cover because uh, uh, you are someone whose opinion I respect. Uh, Mike Crispy is a decided uh, conservative. Uh, he hosts, as I say, a lively show, Mike Crispy Unafraid. Uh, you can see it on Rumble, among other platforms. It's on the LFA TV network. But Let's kind of start here, uh, Mike. You ran for Congress in the last cycle. Uh, you ran in probably the reddest congressional district now uh, in the United States, a district that comprises uh, Ocean and Monmouth counties, uh, New Jersey, well within the WABC listening uh, uh, audience. Uh, and uh, you... You chose to take on an incumbent, which in our political system is always extraordinarily difficult. Incumbents have the built-in advantage of being able to raise essentially unlimited special interest money. They also have the advantage uh, of tapping into these huge PACs that are run by the congressional leadership of both parties uh, who want to make sure that whoever is elected is committed to a certain candidate for speaker, for example. Uh, Yet when it was all over uh, and you ran a a more than respectable race on lesser resources than your opponent, 
you told me that it was among the greatest experiences of your life. Tell us what it was like to run for Congress. Well, I got to say this, Roger. I mean, you know, a lot of people out there talk, and then there are people who do it. And I encourage anybody out there um, who is upset about what's going on in this area, you know, the tri-state area, New York City, New Jersey, Long Island, you know, once incredible places that are being robbed from us. And, and my question is, why are we letting these depraved liberals and rhinos, fake Republicans, take away our land? They say, oh, we got to flee to Florida. No, it's time to stay here and fight. So running for Congress was incredible. You know, it's one of the most, as you said, uh, conservative congressional districts in the whole country, most conservative in the Northeast United States of America. Um, and I was running against the, the longest serving member of Congress, Chris Smith, who's been in the back bench. And I think it's unacceptable that you have a Republican in a district like that who is voting for open borders and amnesty, who's voting for gun control, you know, who's voting for Joe Biden's infrastructure, Green New Deal scam. And this isn't just people like Chris Smith. You know, unfortunately, Kevin McCarthy and his ilk, time and time again, ever since this congressional session started, Roger, have done, unfortunately, what we probably would have guessed they would do, and that is give Biden every single hand up to allow him and enable him um, to get by without any heat. And you know this better than anybody, Roger, that the Democrats were never giving Donald Trump any passes when he was the president. Remember the shutdown and all that? So I think we got to have fighters in the Northeast, in these conservative districts. And it was an incredible experience. We almost got him. Maybe we'll do it again one day. But my message is that you got to fight and get in the game and do it. Because if you don't, people who have dubious interests that are not that of the country will do it. And we can't have that. Uh, it is a great uh, experience. Uh, you worked very, very hard. You were an exceptional candidate. Uh, you ran what I thought was a positive campaign. You made it clear from the beginning you were an America first uh, Republican. Uh, but you've now gone on to a very successful broadcasting career. Uh, you had uh, done outstanding work at Right Side Broadcasting. Uh, now you're on a couple different uh, net-based networks. Uh, I really think when it comes to communications, uh, radio, uh, particularly AM radio, uh, which is an old technology, but actually the wave of the future in terms of reaching working Americans, uh, it's where the, the national emergency broadcast system uh, is uh, mounted. Uh, as well as the Internet, are really the future of mass communications. Uh, network television is dead. Cable television, because of the exorbitant costs of both production uh, and the cost uh, of uh, subscribing, uh, is really prohibitive. We see the numbers. Uh, they're down across the board. It's not just CNN. It's not just MSNBC. Uh, it's a Fox as well. Uh, and uh, I've joked with you that perhaps, just perhaps, you have more influence as a commentator uh, than you have uh, as a member of Congress. That, I guess, uh, remains uh, to be seen. Uh I have read this just past this just last week uh, that the Republican Party leaders uh, in New Jersey are contemplating a plan to scuttle the state's long traditional uh, Republican presidential primary uh, and replace it 
uh, with essentially a state convention of insiders uh, who would meet in Atlantic City, most likely in a smoke-filled room, to hand-select the delegates to the next Republican National Convention, presumably delegates a pledge to former Governor Chris Christie. So in other words, they and they propose to cut the American people completely and totally out of the process in New Jersey. I should say rank-and-file Republicans out of the process. It seems, I don't know, undemocratic to me, small d, uh, un-American to me, extraordinarily unfair to me. Is this really going to happen? Well, I, I, you know, it really is incredible, Roger, because, you know, Chris Christie running for president. I mean, I don't know who thinks Chris Christie could be the president. I guess maybe, you know, he's doing it because he has that big of an ego and he's that dumb. I mean, just look what he's done, skirting the laws with Bridgegate. The guy's not that smart. He's a phony, tough guy who acts like he's smart, but he really is the lowest common denominator in American politics. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the Democrats, uh, the Democrats are looking at the Republicans in New Jersey and saying, wow, Maybe we get a page out of their book when it comes to stealing elections, because that's exactly what they're trying to do in the New Jersey primary. Now, this is going to fail. Uh, but what essentially happened was instead of having delegates, so, you know, in the RNC convention every year or every every uh, nomination cycle, uh, the delegates go from each state. New Jersey has their delegates. And we have had a longstanding tradition where the delegates are elected on the line with the presidential candidate. So, you know, in 2016, it was Donald Trump, it was Ted Cruz, Kasich, and they had their delegates on the ballot. You vote for the candidate and you vote for their slate of delegates. There's 40 some odd delegates. So what Chris Christie was trying to do was, because the delegates in New Jersey um, for the last decade or so have been the Chris Christie insiders because he's controlled the state, he was trying to basically ensure that the delegates go, his delegates, knowing that he would lose to Donald Trump head-to-head in the New Jersey primary. So this was him trying to essentially cancel it through a state convention, have 600-some-odd state delegates vote for the national delegates instead of it being on the ballot. And guess what? The best thing about it, Roger, is that the state delegates would be chosen, chosen and chosen according to this procedure of former legislators and current legislators and former governors and mayors and basically all of the party insiders. So they wrote it up in a way where everyone that Chris Christie has been doing favors for and trading influence with would be the state delegates. And then at the bottom of it, it said 50 grassroots activists. So like 580 insiders and 50 grassroots activists. So essentially set up for Chris Christie to get his delegates even though he knew he would get shellacked in the New Jersey primary. So it was very shady, and fortunately uh, this motion failed. Um, They're still trying to fight it, but it was a brazen attempt by Chris Christie to essentially rig the primary for him and do this the day after Super Tuesday, Um, you know, basically have this state convention. So Chris Christie would get walloped, and then he would announce the next day, oh, look, all my delegates are going from New Jersey. So really convoluted and disgusting, but – it shows, Roger, that when people out there talk about election fraud and schemes, you know, it's, none of it is far off because this is what Republicans are doing in the state of New Jersey, rigging this process. And it's very unfortunate, but I don't think it'll prevail. Trump will prevail and his delegates. And that's certainly a good thing. 
if the New Jersey primary just theoretically were held tomorrow and the candidates were all the ones that we know, uh, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Mike Pence, uh, the entire uh, Tim Scott, uh, and, uh, of course, your uh, your corpulent uh, former governor, what would happen in New Jersey, just in your opinion? Well, you know, from being all around the state uh, and leading the America First Republicans movement in Ocean and Monmouth County, which has, you know, a uh, very high voter populace, um, Bergen County, very high voter populace, a lot of WABC listeners from there. Um, I would say that Donald Trump would get somewhere in the ballpark of 65 to 70 percent of the primary vote. Uh, you know, Chris Christie would probably be in single digits. And that's incredible for a guy who, on the debate stage the other night, Dana Perino keeps asking him to speak on behalf of New Jersey. How does he speak on behalf of New Jersey when I don't think he would even crack 5% in his own state's primary? So uh, I think Donald Trump would be far and away winner, 65% at least, and then everybody else would fall in in single digits. So Donald Trump, certainly people love him in this state. You know, he's been in the New York scene. Uh, people around here love him. They love the style. They love the, the boldness and the brashness. And most important, they love his policies. And they know that the rhinos of yesterday, the defense contractor shills like Nikki Haley and Chris Christie there on the stage talking in that fake, phony, tough guy accent when he goes and hugs Barack Obama in between, they're done with it. New Jersey is a no BS state. And Donald Trump's a no BS candidate. And that's why he would carry it resoundingly. And that's exactly what he's going to do. Let us uh, shift now to the question of uh, New Jersey's U.S. Senator, uh, Robert Menendez. Uh, The guy's gotten some of the worst press I've ever seen over the last week. Uh, I'm not a fan. Let me be very clear about that. Uh, But I also, having been through the federal meat grinder myself, Uh, Even I have to argue that in our system, uh, a person, a citizen, is innocent until proven guilty. Uh, I admit that the evidence against him looks very bad. Uh, This idea that he, over time, took money uh, from his savings account and converted it to cash uh, because he's from Cuba. Well, he wasn't born in Cuba, but his People are from Cuba, uh, and in the back of the mind, he worried about some long-term authoritarian takeover in which he wouldn't be able to get his money. Uh, I admit that that sounds pretty dicey to me as a strategy, but the, the principle of innocent until proven guilty is really an important one. Uh, And having the talking heads at MSNBC and CNN and worse uh, decide that I was guilty when I, in fact, you could actually put this on a T-shirt. I did nothing wrong. Uh, I have I have to admit, I have a part of me, despite the fact that I do not like his politics. I don't even particularly like him. I do have some some sympathy uh, for Senator Menendez considering that everybody charged by the federal government who chooses to plead not guilty and fight uh, finds that the government has a 99% conviction rate. Uh, what's going to happen to, uh, to this Menendez seat? I was surprised to see Governor Phil Murphy, rather than giving the senior senator the benefit of the doubt, say, no, no, he should resign immediately. 
the same thing of his Senate colleagues. Uh, he did, I think, wisely step aside as chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee until this matter can be resolved. But is this just bloodlust of other Democrats who want the Menendez seat? Yeah, I mean, you know, the best thing about Democrats are is we always know where they stand, and it's never with any type of process, law and order, et cetera. They don't care. All they care about is maintaining and expanding their power. When somebody becomes a liability, they've made their money, they've done their deals and schemes on the inside, and when they get too big, it's a pre, pre-understanding pre by everybody on the Democrat side. Once you get too big, you'll get that landing path, and you'll be put off the pasture. And they'll just replace Menendez with somebody just like him. So what's going to happen is Menendez will, it's my opinion, he will get a uh, a deal, right? He'll get some type of deal. He won't do anything hard time, but he'll be on the outs because he got too big for his britches. And guess what? Phil Murphy and these people don't care about law and order and what's right and wrong. They just care about expanding the power. And right now, if you look at New Jersey politics, yeah, I'm telling you what's going to happen, Roger, is they will nominate Nikki Sherrill. Um, she's a congresswoman in New Jersey in the 11th district, uh, flipped away from Rodney Freelingheisen uh, a couple of cycles ago. She was a pilot. Uh, she also famously said that on January 6th, members of Congress on the Republican side were giving tours of the Capitol to a reconnaissance mission. So she's a little nuts, um, but she's going to be the person. And she has that moderate appeal because uh, she's a woman pilot uh, and a Democrat. So she's going to be the candidate, Andy Kim who's the uh, third district congressman, has already declared. But I think Mickey Sherrill gets that, and that will just expand the Democrats' power because a Republican, unfortunately, in this state, I don't think beats her because we don't have any Republicans right now, I think, who would step up and do it, who have the, you know, uh, who have the, the, the gusto, if you will, to take her down. I don't think Jeff Van Drew is going to do it, um, although he's you know, obviously done a very nice job in, in his district. Uh, but nobody else, I don't think, can step up and formidably beat someone like Cheryl. So I think she's going to come in that seat. That's the name for people out there listening. You don't know who she is. Uh, my hot take prediction is she will be running and become the front runner uh, for the Democrats in New Jersey and, and a new national phase. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Yeah, I really like uh, Jeff Van Drew. I like him very much. I've known him a long yeah. time. He's a former Democrat. He was elected to the state assembly uh, as a Democrat. He I think very wisely and boldly switched to become a Republican. He's become one of President Trump's closest friends and strongest supporters in the House. On the other hand, that may be, along with the district where you ran, those may be the only two safe Republican districts in the in the state. So why should he give up? He's a relatively young man. Why should he give up a career of public service uh, to impale himself in a U.S. Senate race, which I think demographically probably not winnable. Uh, you know, it's very funny because New Jersey, 
was for many, many, many decades a swing state. Gerald Ford carried it in 1976 over Jimmy Carter. Uh, Ronald Reagan carried it in both 1980 and 1984. Uh, but this, the state has demographically trended in the wrong direction. Uh, and uh, the election of Chris Christie was an anomaly. Uh, the corruption and the uh, incompetence of the Corzine administration got so bad that Republicans were willing to take a chance on a Republican governor, but then it reverts right back to the traditional voting patterns. So those who say, well, Menendez's problem could open the door to a Republican senator, uh, I'm with you, Mike. Uh, I don't I don't think so. If you're just uh, tuning in here, this is the Roger Stone Show. Uh, I'm here with Mike Crispy, uh, who is uh, a uh, longtime uh, conservative commentator, used to be with Right Side Broadcast, now with LFA TV uh, on Rumble, does an incredibly dynamic show every single day. Mike Crispy, unafraid. You really want to check that out, folks. Uh, and uh, here's he's here talking uh, New Jersey politics. Uh, and uh, national politics with us. Mike, uh, you you watched that debate uh, on, uh, I guess it was Wednesday night. Uh, I commented about it a little bit at the beginning of the show. Uh, but what was your take? Well, my take was that this is what the GOP looks like without Donald Trump. It is absolutely chaos. You just heard people yelling over each other who could be a louder supporter of defending the Ukrainian border uh, and not the American border, virtue signaling as if it was a Democrat debate in some respects, and people taking shots and taking priority on issues that Donald Trump proved the American people don't care about. So, you know, it's amazing when I sat there and watched, I said, this isn't even my party. But that, you know, Donald Trump obviously changed the Republican Party forever. And when I listen to the Mike Pence's and the Chris Christie's and the Nikki Haley's, I say I have less in common with these people than I do have in common with them. But these people want to send all the money to Ukraine. These people are giving in to the Democrats on these points. They have no sense of toughness. Uh, they're coming at Trump and blaming him for the problems as if they're Democrats. So it was a mess, and they were all just yelling over each other to see who could give the rhetorical, pre-prepared line the loudest and first. It was terrible, uh, particularly Nikki Haley. I think uh, she's she's one of the worst. You know, she essentially is a, a female George Bush, uh, the Republican Hillary Clinton in terms of personality, and she can never get anywhere near the presidency. I thought she was the biggest loser of the night, um, and I don't think that's even up for debate. Well, she's certainly much too hot for the medium of television. She came across much too hot. Uh, and she, her, her giant goal in life seems to be shipping billions more to the Ukrainians uh, without any accountability. So what I thought was interesting is every candidate gave lip service to sealing our southern border, but they seem to be much, much more anxious to ship billions of more to Ukraine and they continue to maintain this fiction, and somebody raised this, and then they got shouted down, that Ukraine is a democracy. Ukraine is not a democracy. Uh, Zelensky has outlawed every 
political party except for his own. He has arrested every candidate who ran against him in the last election. He arrests journalists. He closes radio stations. He closes newspapers. He arrests priests. Uh, he has banned the largest religion in the country. Uh, he has said that he'll hold elections, but only if the United States pays for them. Unbelievable. Um, um, unbelievable. And don't forget, Roger, he also salutes Nazis. Remember, he was in Canada. Uh, and they had that Nazi. Uh, they said, oh, that's a right wing conspiracy talking point. You know, that there are Nazis in Ukraine. That guy got the standing ovation. Um, Ukraine fighter, the 98 year old guy. And he's a Nazi. So, you know, Zelensky also, you know, also when it comes to Zelensky, what else does he do? I mean, the guy made excuses the other day to Fareed Zakaria interviewing him about a billion dollars laundered. His defense chief, uh, defense minister, a billion dollars laundered, bought his daughter a mansion house as a wedding gift. I mean, Zelensky is terrible, and Ukraine is terrible. It's a money laundering cesspool, and whenever a candidate speaks on it so anxiously, you know where their loyalties lie, and it's not with the MAGA Trump base or any of the American people at all. And that's shameful. It's so shameful. Now, I, I feel a, a shift. It, I, it's really beginning. It starts among Republicans, but there's a growing skepticism among Republicans who I think started out supportive uh, of the efforts in Ukraine because, well, the Russians wear a black hat in our society. Very few people focusing on the history of this conflict, which we've talked about extensively uh, on this show. But I, I feel a perceptible uh, uh, shift among Republicans who now want to support Ukraine but are not prepared to ship billions more there when we have 370,000 homeless veterans in this country. Mike, I want to get to the most important topic of the day. Uh, talk in the New York City Council, yet again, uh, of removing uh, the statue of Christopher Columbus from New York City. In Philadelphia, they have already removed the statue of Mayor Frank Rizzo, one of the greatest mayors in Philadelphia history. Used to be outside City Hall. It's now been put in mothballs. Uh, this is a this is a trend to bury uh, to cancel Italian American heritage. Uh, and you and I and a group of our friends have gotten together to do something about it. Uh, so today we are prepared to announce that the Italian American Civil Rights League, a nonprofit charitable organization uh, under the IRS that is, uh, that is corp uh, incorporated in New Jersey, is not only up and open for business, uh, but they have now uh, posted their website. Tell us more about it. Well, yes, Roger. It's such an important issue of our time. IACRL.org. That's IACRL.org. Uh, it's a great honor to partner up with you. And, you know, we, we talked about this idea and you had this idea um, because the Italians don't have a voice. I mean, so many proud Italian-Americans who built this country, who have really epitomized the greatness of what it is to come to this country, work hard, make something of yourself. You know, Italian-Americans, have done so many incredible things for society, and then they have no problem just having overt 
disgraceful racism on display when they want to get rid of Christopher Columbus statues, rename Columbus Circle. They do things. They come at former Italian politicians, like you mentioned, in uh, Philadelphia because they were good people who stood for law and order and orderly, clean communities. So we're fighting back. We have formed the Italian-American Civil Rights League, um, and that is going to be a place for people you could join um, and join us in the fight. And what we're going to do is um, we're going to bring attention to these issues in the press. And also we will, through legal avenues, lawsuits and the likes, uh, fight against these things. So we will go to court and we will fight against any of these people threaten legal action. We have some of the best lawyers, Giancarlo Gioni, shout out to him, who's going to be working with us and, and Paul Ingrazia and others, uh, a legal team that is going to be ready to take this fight on anytime there is overt Italian-American discrimination. So um, any contributions, 100% of the proceeds go towards that. And you could join right now, IACRL.org. Membership is open. Um, and we're going to try to build it to a point where we can do, you know, maybe an annual event next Columbus Day. And But most of the, the proceeds um, are going to go towards fighting these things in the press in the courtroom and getting politicians to lay off the proud Italian-Americans who have not had a voice. And, Roger, uh, we're going to get involved in politics. You know, we're going to be handing out endorsements for offices um, so other Italian-Americans across the country know who is on our side. So it's a great group. Uh, nothing like this has existed in the last couple of decades. We're bringing it back. I'm so excited and honored to partner on, with it uh, with you on it, Roger. Uh, I want to make this clear. This is a nonprofit organization. Nobody involved is compensated in any way. We are all volunteers. Uh, our books are going to be available. Uh, we are duly filed uh, with all of the legal authorities. Uh, this is, uh, I think we, we have many areas of endeavor. We're talking about a scholarship program to help young Italian Americans in their education. Uh, but we also are not going to shy from the controversial public issues, uh, where we see Italian Americans are being discriminated against. Uh, I'm afraid we're out of time now. We gotta wrap it up. Many thanks to my good friend, Mike Crispy. You can see him again at Mike Crispy Unafraid at LFA TV on Rumble. Mike Crispy, God bless you and Godspeed. It was an honor, Roger. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. I'll talk to you soon, sir. Many thanks.